either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, we're just coming off the highs of Top Gun and then Dinosaurs and Elvis. Now it seems a little quiet, especially yeah. heading into a holiday weekend. But we are going to break down what is there this week, and we're back in the screening room. Glad you're here. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start with an animated, untold story of one 12-year-old's dream to become the world's greatest supervillain. It's Minions, The Rise of Gru. <laughs> Well, if you're counting, this is number five in the franchise that started with Despicable Me and then kind of veered off to give the Minions their own thing. Uh, so, yeah, Minions get the top billing here, uh, but it's still in the same, all in the same universe. And much like, I think, all the films in this franchise, it's, it's all right. <laughs> they, uh, for me, they've never been really anything more than that. You know, I think the very first one was, well, I, as I recall, you loved those little girls. They were great I did. characters. I did. Yeah. And one of them was Elsie Fisher from 8th grade. But yeah. And then I was actually excited when the Minions had their own movie. Uh, I, I thought that would be great because I thought they were very funny. And as it turns out, they, they really can't hold their own thing. Right. So I've kind of been, it, they've all, like I said, they've all been just fine for me. Nothing really above that. I think this one elevates, you know, the sort of just Minions franchise by putting Gru back into it. Mm -hmm. Because you really, they're funny, but they're funny background characters. They're funny to sort of scan the crowd and see what they're doing and who's yes. dressed like Isaac the bartender from The Love Boat and things like that. <laughs> I mean, that's funny, yeah. but yeah. they can't really carry a film. And so in this, in this one, we meet young Gru. And it's not exactly an origin story because the Minions are already with him. You have, like, one quick flashback as to how they met, but it, right. it doesn't really tell you. He just seems to have always had the minions, and they, they've always been building a big lair in his basement. And he's living with his mom, of course, because he's 12, and she is still played by Julie Andrews, and that's a funny bit. That is. And he, of course, is still Steve Carell. Still Steve Carell. And it's the it's the early 70s, which is maybe the best part of the movie yes. because the period, de period detail is really funny. And the, the 70s right now are getting some serious movie love. Yeah. We're just coming off Black Phone. Oh, which had which it nailed. Nailed it. And uh, you know I love that. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, really appreciated that, especially with what they do with one of my favorite movies, Jaws. Oh, yeah, it's a great Jaws reference. I mean, it's it's really, really, really funny. And, um, and that's the thing is that there are so many little funny details, but it doesn't take too long and before you're like, but there's no interesting core story. Um, partly because they follow. So what happens is that Gru um, auditions to join his favorite uh, supervillain gang, the Vicious Six. Mm -hmm. And he winds up getting kidnapped and taken to San Francisco. So the minions have to go find him. And they kind of split up. So you spend part of the movie with Gru and his kidnapper, part of the movie with three of the minions, and part of the movie with a fourth minion who's on his own trying to find Gru. And... It's just too much time without an actual sort of 
main character. It just is. And it's funny, there are three different directors because probably it feels like it's three different movies and they just don't mesh. And one of the problems is that there really is a tremendous vocal talent ensemble here that goes wildly underused. Yeah, you've got Alan Arkin, Taraji P. Henson, Michelle Yeoh, as you said, Julie Andrews, Russell Brand, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, Lucy Lawless, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, all in there. Yeah. You're right. There's a lot of great talent there in the voice cast with some great, I, I will be honest, there's some great character names like, well, Jean-Claude's uh, character name is Jean-Claude with a W, and Taraji P's character is Bell Bottom, which is awesome. <laughs> Bell Bottom. That's fantastic. So, yeah, there are three directors, all veterans of this franchise in one way or another. But, yeah, it gets very convoluted yeah. with all the story going yeah. on. It just doesn't seem to hang together as one. No, it's, I mean, it looks spectacular. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you mentioned that, especially if you can catch it in 3D. Yes, yes, as we did. The, the, the San Francisco, uh, you know, depiction in 3D, you know, with the hills. and mm-hmm. the, It's really gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. It's just that the writing is a little bit weak. They've got all this sort of funny ideas in terms of what the background ought to be and these little gags and these little nods, but they don't have much of a story. That was one thing. For for the parents, it might not mean as much to, to the kids, but if you're going to go anyway, and you can sp- to the movie anyway, and you can spring for the extra few bucks for the IMAX, I think it, it's worth it for the, the parents. 3D. To, to appreciate that. I mean, the kids are still going to like the frantic action yep. of the minions. You've yep. got all that, and, and they're not looking as much for maybe some 3D. But um, I think to get the maximum enjoyment out of it, I think the parents and maybe the grandparents, to yeah. be honest, <laughs> you might uh, do the IMAX because you're right. It looks fantastic, and that's one of the, the big selling points about this. But, again, for me, the franchise, it just kind of – Goes along at the same speed with a, f- a few laughs yeah. and interesting to look it's at. And fine. You're right. The minions as as support characters are always funny because yeah. you 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 nail it when you're scanning the background. What are they What, what are, they are they wearing? <laughs> what are they wearing? Because some have weird costumes on. Yeah. What are they up to? They're fantastic. Uh, better suited to be background characters than than main characters. But uh, yeah, that is the latest. Fine, a fine afternoon out for the family, and and, and that's about it. The latest for. The Despicable Me franchise. In theaters this weekend, Minions, The Rise of Gru. Oh, let's do an English period romantic drama comedy thing. Next, a young woman courts a mysterious wealthy suitor in 19th century England. This is Mr. Malcolm's list. There is a gentleman, Mr. Malcolm. He humiliated me. No. I then found out he had a list. You have a list of qualifications for a bride. I would love for Mr. Malcolm to receive the comeuppance he deserves. Plus, it could be rather fun. If we present you as the perfect woman, then he discovers he does not meet the requirements on your list. That would be a perfect sort of poetic justice. Love cannot be planned so carefully. It will stir things up a bit. So I think people are seeing the trailer and maybe thinking Bridgerton, Mm -hmm. and I think they might rather be thinking Jane Austen. Yeah. There's not, aside from some, there's no ribaldry even. There's certainly no sex in this movie. No, there's not. And I've never seen Bridgerton, but I didn't realize it's all sexy. It's, yeah, very sexy time. Okay, very sexy time. No, I would say then you water down Bridgerton for this movie and you cross it with a little bit of Pygmalion and a little bit of dangerous liaisons. But you're right. It's very, very muted. Tame. Very tame. But if if a certain 
segment of the audience is going to love it because it is well done. It is. It really is well done. Now, it's not. this is not our bag. This is not our kind of movie, but I cannot fault it for, for its construction or its performances. Uh, so you've got Mr. Malcolm, and by the way, he's played by Sope Dirisu from His House. His house. Oh, my God. My so Lord. Great. If you haven't had it, seen His House, look it up. Fantastic. And he's great. Completely different character. I didn't here. even recognize him in the trailer. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have either. But uh, but he's great. And all, and really, uh, the whole ensemble is. So he's Mr. Malcolm in uh, 18, I think it's 1818, England. Uh, very wealthy. Uh, he's in, going to inherit. He's already inherited quite an estate, and he's going to inherit a, a lot of money uh, from his family. And he's single. So, you know, the women, uh, whoever catches him, it's going to be quite the catch. But word gets out after he uh, he takes Julia Thistlewaite to the opera and then decides that's enough for, for Julia Thistlewaite, and she won't have it. She's spurned, and the whole of society knows it, and they're making fun of her, and she wants to teach him a lesson because she finds out that he has a list, a list of qualifications for his future wife, and she apparently didn't meet at least one of them. So she wants to teach him a lesson about making these lists. So she looks up her old childhood friend, although they're different social statuses. They met when they were kids, so they're still friends. And that is Selena Dalton, played by Frida Pinto. Who's always great. Yeah. Frida Pinto is great in everything. Yeah, and she's, and she's great in, in this, too. And it, like I said, the whole ensemble is good. So they set up this plan to train her. Here's where Pygmalion comes sure, in. Yeah. They train her in the ways of society, in the ways to catch his eye, in the ways to satisfy everything on this list so she will be his perfect wife candidate. And then once she hooks him, then the plan is for her to turn around and say, well, I have a list too, and you don't meet all the qualifications on that. Boom. So you can see a mile away what's going to happen <laughs> yes. here. But as we've said many times, the trick is how does it get there? And it, and it gets there just fine. It's warm. It's feel good. The costumes and the landscapes are fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. There's no sex. There's no ribaldry. I mean, there's a little <laughs> hand holding. If you're, you know, hoo, hoo, hoo. I mean, not that that's problematic. And it certainly no. it, it doesn't make the film weak in any way. It's just that I think, you know, that's what I hear a lot of. Ooh, it's like Bridgerton. It's not. It's right. Not no, like this Bridgerton. is not a bodice ripper no, at no, all. There's no. no bodice ripping. But I think one all. of the things that's really refreshing and lovely about this is that it isn't white. You know, can, can you name, I mean, you can name maybe only, one other film in this genre that isn't top to bottom white people. Right. Not only is it not white, throughout the ensemble is colorblind all over the place. And it's very nice and, and very refreshing. You're absolutely right. And it's the debut for director Emma Holly Jones. And the writer is Suzanne Allen. And this is based on a novel. So, again, you know if you are the audience for this sort of thing. And if you are, I think you will love it because it is. It's well-constructed. It's well-written. Yes, it's predictable. You know where it's going, but the writing is fine. And it's 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 funny enough. It's not a laugh out loud, but it's clever and there are good performances and it, it, everything is constructed well. It's just not the kind of movie that, that we gravitate to. Right. I would have appreciated a little bodice ripping myself, <laughs> but hey, <laughs> and especially if you're a fan of the novel, I, I would imagine that you'll appreciate it. Just a good adaptation. And that's what this is. And it is out in theaters now. And it is Mr. Malcolm's List. Serious drama next, another one based on a novel. It takes place over a weekend in the high Atlas Mountains of Morocco and explores the reverberations of a random accident on the lives of both the local Muslims and Western visitors to a house party in a grand villa. It's called The Forgiven. It was an accident. It stepped out in front of us. We don't want the police showing up, poking their noses into everything. 
He wants you to return with them to bury the boy. It is customary in these parts. People disappear here. They just vanish. Has it occurred to you that he might actually be planning something a lot nastier than anything you can anticipate? You've forgotten about my husband. Yes, I have. And so have you. Why did you come here? Well, right away, this grabbed our attention because it's the latest from director and writer John Michael McDonough, who did well calvary, calvary number one, one just killed me god he, i love that movie. and then he did the, the comedy the guard yeah as well this is not a comedy no this is much more in line with calvary and it's again it's based on a novel and yeah you've got you, this is an ensemble too a great ensemble mm-hmm. the writing here is fantastic uh, the adaptation of the book uh, his screenplay is great uh, and the ensemble is fantastic as well led at the top by jessica chastain and ray fines and they play this unhappily married couple, um, Londoners, but they've come to Morocco to go to this lavish party thrown by old friends at this, yeah, this grand villa in basically in the middle of the Moroccan desert. And right away, McDonough just, he pours on the idleness and the richness of these idle rich people. Mm -hmm. And it comes on so strong, you think, is this a satirical comedy in the opening minutes? But it's not. I mean, there's a reason that he's he's really overdoing it, and this wretched excess is so wretched um, early on because these these people have nothing to do just but be rich and just live their lives as if there is no consequence because there isn't. They're just rich, and they can get out of any situation that they get into because they're so rich and privileged. But that gets put to a test when as uh, Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain are driving this long drive to the party, there's an accident. They hit and kill a teen Moroccan who was apparently coming out on the road trying to sell them something, get their attention. And once they get to the villa, then the plan is to let his money get him out of this and smooth it over with the local police because they're so privileged. Well, the word spreads throughout the village because at this party they're attended to by local, by Moroccan natives who are servants. And word spreads throughout the village. And before long, uh, the boy who was killed, his name is Driss, his father shows up demanding to follow local custom and for Ray Fines to come with him and make the journey to the boy's burial. That is the custom. And um, he agrees to do that. So that separates him from his rich friends. And then the contrast is drawn between. Ray Fine's character going to learn about consequence of his actions and all those left behind, including his wife, whose eye starts wandering right away, uh, back at the villa where they're just reveling and, and wallowing in their richness. So um, it is, it's a fascinating movie. It does move a little slowly, I guess. McDonough's direction does drag a little bit, but the writing is so sharp. For me, it started to take on a, a maybe a Hemingway esque right. flavor Absolutely. as this unfolded with the with these characters. Uh, but it, the, the writing is just so sharp. He's so good at that. Just like in Calvary, mm-hmm. you know, getting these themes across mm-hmm. and these these uh, timely lessons through the shown through the actions and the, and the feelings of these characters and the ensemble. I should say not only Jessica Chastain and Ray Fiennes, Caleb Landry Jones, Love him always. Uh, Matt Smith. Christopher Abbott, who we like in pretty much everything. Um, Abdella Tahari plays the father. And then Saeed Tagmori, who we've seen in a bunch of films, including uh, the the first Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. He was in the group there. 
He plays the guide that takes Ray Fine's character through. He is fantastic. Yeah. So it's just it's just a great ensemble. Moves a little slowly, but uh, boy, if you appreciate really really sharp, insightful writing and and fantastic acting, this is one uh, to look up. It's in select theaters now, and, and or if you're a fan of the book, I had not heard of the book, but it's one of those movies that makes you think. I bet this is a good book, right? You know, yes. and that's credit to how the movie plays out as well. So it's out in theaters now called The Forgiven. And one more this week, it's a comedy drama from Argentina. A wealthy businessman hires a famous filmmaker to help make a smash hit film. It's called Official Competition. Y no es la primera vez que yo trabajo con un idiota. Acción. Ah. <laughs> So I'll be honest, when I saw the trailer for this, my first thought was it was going to be Almodovar. Me too. Because, right, Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. Right, right. Uh, uh, me too. But it's not. This is uh, co-directors Mariano Cohn and Gaston Duprat, and they both uh, co-write as well with uh, Gaston's brother Andre, uh, Andres Duprat. And it's just a hoot. Uh, Penelope Cruz is great. Antonio Banderas is great. And the other really co-lead of these three is Oscar Martinez. And... Cruz plays this critic's darling director who may or may not know what she's doing. And she is hired by this rich millionaire who decides, he's as he's getting older on his 80th birthday, he thinks he should leave a legacy that includes a, a movie. So he puts all this money into uh, adapting a Pulitzer Prize-winning book called The Rivalry about these two warring brothers. And Penelope Cruz's character casts these two actors who are just polar opposites. You've got Antonio Banderas, who plays, of course, the worldwide box office star. Right. And then Oscar Martinez plays the prestigious thespian. <laughs> they work very differently. And uh, that's the first thing that makes it very funny. Their approaches to everything are very funny. And it comes also into contrast with Penelope Cruz's methods of inspiring them or motivating them which tend to be a little crazy and <laughs> this thing is it's a great satire about the movie business and i mean everybody involved in the movie business not only the actors the actors who believe their own press clippings too much and the actors that try to try to pretend that they don't care about all that <laughs> and the directors that are just faking it and the producers that have no idea why they're in this to begin with and the film festivals and the fans of film festivals and the critics i mean you name it it's all skewered here and it's beautiful but it's skewered and with love it is skewered it doesn't with love. ever feel hateful never never and the best satire for me always Talks about one thing, but really saying another. And that's what it's its saying, that they love the creative process, mm -hmm. as crazy as it gets. And all the things that people read into the movie business and all the things that are phony, it still boils down to creative people making something and, and hopefully making art, no matter how they come at it. And so you're right. That is the love underneath it all. But it is funny. And you get to see Penelope Cruz with this crazy, frizzy perm. <laughs> Just be nuts, you know, because she, she's always good. The three of these, these three main actors are just a delight. They really are. Even when the script maybe belabors a joke, one or too many beats, mm -hmm. these, these three are just so good, and mm -hmm. they just sell it so well. And obviously, all three are veterans in the film business, right. so they, they live this, right? <laughs> and you can tell they are having a ball with it. They really are uh, trying to sort it all out, like who... Who is going to come out on top? Is this movie even going to get made? Is it going to be a hit? What's going on? Uh, so it's just, it's really fun and funny. You're, you're right. If you've seen 
anything by by Cruz and Banderas, especially when they're together, you know that that's just fun to watch yes, them. Yeah. And this third guy, Oscar Martinez, who I was not uh, as familiar with, is great as well. Just settles into that role of, of the guy who just looks down his nose at all these box office stars. <laughs> you know, where secretly maybe he wants some of that success. You never know. Just one of the things that gets skewered by uh, by this film in such a fun way. It's crazy, it's madcap, and it's funny, and it's out in theaters now, and it's called Official Competition. Hey, look at that. That's it for this week. So let's head to the lobby. Let's see if anybody's there. <laughs> let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Heading back into the lobby, it was vacant. There was nobody there last week. We dropped by, it was empty, it was empty. quiet. We had to leave. But uh, <laughs> he's back, Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. Rested and ready after vacation, so what you got? Well, the Bob's Burgers movie will be available to stream on both HBO Max and Hulu come July 12th. And A24's Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Can't say that ten times fast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's getting a wider theatrical release on July 15th. So if it's not in your area now, it might be in a couple weeks. Good, good. STX has pulled their horror film Bedrest from its July 15th release date. They haven't given them a new one, but that's probably because they're up for sale. Uh, ah. I think uh, Lionsgate's the front runner to scoop them up, and whoever ends up grabbing them will have a solid slate on their hands because, you know, they also have Guy Ritchie's Operation Fortune, uh, Neil Berger's The Marsh King's Daughter, Florian Zeller's new movie The Sun, and then Michael Mann's about to shoot a movie for him called Ferrari. Wow. So whoever, whoever buys that up is getting a nice little package mm-hmm. there. And we've got a Winona Ryder starring thriller called Gone in the Night, hitting theaters on July 15th, followed by a VOD release date on August 5th. Sony's vampire thriller The Bride has changed its title to The Invitation and will arrive in theaters on August 26th. Disney has said on August 31st theatrical release date for their horror thriller Barbarian. And they've set a September 30th premiere date for Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+. Plus. Uh-huh. Also on September 30th is a theatrical release for Universal's horror film Smile. And then moving to some next year stuff, Paramount has moved up the release date of their new Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves, to March 3rd. Uh, that one stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and Hugh Grant. <laughs> Bit wow. of a different cast from the one they made about 20 years ago. D&D, is that where Zero Charisma? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Uh, I was we, ne- we still don't know really what it means. No, but no. We just learned it was uh, not E.T. specific, but that came from Dungeons and Dragons. We just learned that like it two years ago. It took me years. I didn't know what that meant in E.T. for years. <laughs> I thought it was just some sort of a put down. And then I found out later, oh, it's from Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons craze missed me as a child. Yeah. yeah. It took me a while to catch that one as well. Same. Uh, Lionsgate has delayed the release of their adaptation of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. It was going to come out this September. Now it's not coming out until April next year. And Universal's postponed their sci-fi film Distance from September 16th to January 27th. Warner Brothers has set a July 21st, 2023 release for Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie, which stars Margot Robbie as Barbie and Ryan Gosling as Ken. And the cast also has Kate McKinnon, Alexander Ship, Emerald Fennell, Michael Sarah, Rhea Perlman, and then also Will Ferrell as the CEO of Mattel. <laughs> Cannot wait. I Cannot know. wait. Normally, I would have zero, zero interest, but with Greta, Greta Gerwig, Gerwig that's and why. then the cast and yeah. the pictures we've already seen, yes, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested yes, for sure. Yes, 100%. 
All right, for next year, which is weirder, Ryan Gosling playing Ken in a Barbie movie or Rita Moreno playing Vin Diesel's grandmother in the next Fast and Furious? Oh, film? my Lord. Because you're getting both. <laughs> no, I'll take Barbie all day. I mean, God love Rita Moreno, but no. <laughs> Uh, Universal has also pushed back the release of Andre Overdahl's The Last Voyage of the Demeter. It was supposed to come out on January 27th, my birthday, oh. but apparently they don't think I've been good enough, so they pushed <laughs> it back to August 11th next year. Wow, oh, that's a big pushback. That's a big push. Gosh, that movie's been in the works for decades. Really? And last but not least, uh, Sony has set a December 20th, 2023 release date for the next Ghostbusters movie, so they must be filming that one pretty soon. Seems we're already talking about 2023. Well, 2022 is half over. It is half over. I know. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah. You go on vacation, look what happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. We, yeah, you can always catch up with Daniel. You can find him uh, online at The Schlocketeer. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, looking ahead to next week, going to be a little more busy. We know we've got one big wannabe blockbuster on the docket, and that is Thor Love and Thunder is out next week. Also, Sea Beast. Apples. We've been hearing a lot about that. Mm -hmm. uh, looking forward to seeing Apples next week. And the new Claire Denis, Both Sides of the Blade. Yeah, that's one that just had its title changed, mm -hmm. right? It was I forget what it was called before, but now Both Sides of the Blade. Uh, yeah, Claire Denis. Always looking forward to that. One called The Summoned is out next week as well. On the third day. And a documentary that seems very interesting called Dreaming Walls Inside the Chelsea Hotel. And if you, A lot of stuff went yeah, on inside the Chelsea Hotel. <laughs> yeah, just listen to some songs. They'll tell you about some of the things that went on inside the Chelsea Hotel. All right, so that's uh, next week. But what do you think? Just four to talk about this week. But uh, let us know what you thought about anything or really from, from weeks before. If you're still catching up on Elvis or or a Top Gun or whatever. We always like to talk movies. You can find us easily on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all of our written reviews and our other podcast called Fright Club, just about the horror movies, uh, you can find all that on the main website, which is madwolf.com. So until next week, have a fantastic holiday weekend. We hope you keep in touch. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>